You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Bubble what you make it, man. <laughs> Bubble what you make it. It's a Locked On Hornets podcast presented by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and our next guest at David B. Walker. It's a theme that we have kind of continued as we've gone along in the pandemic where we've basically brought the entire family together and now you see them frequently. It's good to have everyone back. David, thanks for joining us once again, man. How are you? Oh, man, I'm great. It's great to be part of this large and ever-growing family. It's always good to be back. <laughs> I know. I know. It's kind. Of, it's funny because like we bring in guys and then we lose them. They kind of go on their own way for a little bit. And then I think the magnetic field just forces them to come back to the pod in some way, shape, or form. And so I'm happy that we still have Doug and David in the orbit with Nada having come back full on and landed on the moon back here. So uh, we do appreciate everybody for listening, of course, as everybody does help uh, bring us some content as well. And David, I wanted to ask you a little bit that the main story here as it as it pertains to the Charlotte Hornets is the second bubble and exactly what the Hornets, you know, who all might go participate in that bubble with the Charlotte Hornets. And we're so damn young. You would imagine most of them do, except for maybe the Nick Batums. And I don't know how Cody Zeller might fit in that situation, but you're so young. You would see majority of those guys actually participate in that second bubble. The NBA actually might come up with if everything goes well in Orlando. Uh, how excited would you be, David, to have a chance to actually watch the Hornets before we might get to the start of the 2020-2021 season that just seems so far away. Yeah, I mean, as I've said before, I watch Summer League Hornets basketball with a lot of excitement, at least at least to start out to begin with, right? But So I would be good with it. I think all those questions you guys have coming up with are valid, though. I mean, uh, outside of injury concerns, yeah, you'd think most of those young guys would go, and based on you know stuff they're posting and some of the workouts that they're still trying to get in during this time, Seems like they would still want to go and participate. And the more important thing, you know, might be this this uh, out of mind, out of sight uh, phenomenon that's going on with all these Elite Eight teams. You know, take the Warriors out of that, right? Like nobody's forgetting about the Warriors, but everybody else is just kind of sitting there saying, hey, what about us? Especially like to the fans, it would be nice, you know, to get to be able to see these guys before Christmas, right? I mean, am I crazy in thinking that even a Hornets light would be a fun watch? No, I, I think you're right. I think most people do get excited for summer league. It's kind of funny because uh, we go through a withdrawal with the Hornets having not been in the playoffs last couple of seasons. So we get this break from not having seen the Hornets and then we get some summer league and Hornets Twitter is active, man. Like we are excited to see them, <laughs> including myself. Like we are excited to see some of these guys. What's funny is we do this flashback Friday segment on the wake up call where we kind of take a look back at the things we were talking about this day a year ago and even two years ago and one of the topics was how miles bridges was playing in summer league and remember he had actually kind of gotten better as summer league went on remember yes. i think it was at the beginning where we were really kind of scared and then was it two years ago where he tried to have this 360 dunk or it was it was something insane that he tried was it a layup was that two years ago david do you remember 
Man, I think it, it was at least two years ago. I don't think it was last summer, but yeah, he went for something crazy that if he would have made it, would have made you know summer NBA Twitter explode. Right. It was like the Vince Carter missed alley oop from Ed Coda. Like it was one of the best missed dunks that we've ever seen in our lifetime. And I do remember Miles Bridges getting better as the summer league went on. Miles actually playing better in his rookie season, I think, than maybe we expected. It was a little bit of a roller coaster year, mostly downward last season. I guess my question is, David, like how much validity do you? put into summer league like do you actually take some things away from that and kind of use it in your analysis of that player towards the future or do you kind of just chalk it up to summer league's all random anyway i'm just here to watch some basketball exactly a summer league that's the first thing you learn about summer league is when once you get excited and then nothing bears out in the actual regular season you just don't <laughs> want to see anybody injured you know or, or just completely lost out there i've stopped taking much from summer league i, I don't know about you guys i mean it's fun to see some of the guys have a, have a bit of a moment there or try and make a team like that type of stuff. But as far as taking a lot of that into the league, again, outside of like LeBron, like the guys that we know are going to be legit players, uh, you can't put very much stock, if any, into what actually happens in summer league in a basketball sense. Well, what's been unfortunate for Hornets fans has been we haven't really gotten to see a whole lot of our first round picks because remember three years ago, Malik Monk was injured and did not participate <laughs> in summer true. league. And then we got to see the same thing with PJ, where it was funny because in preseason, PJ came onto the scene. We were like, oh, hell, this guy's going to be hell for these other players. And we didn't get to see him in summer league because of that injury that he suffered. And I, I feel like we were taking a little bit away from preseason from what we saw uh, PJ Washington do. And then what do you know? The first game against the Chicago Bulls, the guy comes out and hits seven threes. And I believe that was the, the season high. He got in the first game of yes. the season. Best uh, way to start off. Uh, it was it was so impressive. Uh, David, did you feel the same way? Like when you watch PJ, I, I feel like watching him in, in preseason we all kind of took a step back and we're like wait a minute th this guy is doing some things there were some people that were high on pj it, don't get me wrong but at least for me it was like man this guy's doing some really good things against some somewhat nba level competition right yeah i mean you can't take away just like the baseline competency and he was well above that but then it did help to see that in an actual game. And I don't think anybody thought that was going to continue over the course of the season. But, I um, mean, you know, PJ had a good rookie year. So uh, it's nice to see that in Summer League. I think if you're banking anything on that, that's where you have to be careful. We've been crushed too many times, right? I mean, we've been, we've been uh, excited <laughs> for something in Summer League. Either never seen it or it's, it, it hasn't proven to be truthful once the regular season starts. So it's just Summer League is – there's so much stuff going on. It's so compressed. A lot of times you don't even have the coaches there. They're trying to put stuff in. Guys are trying to do different things with their time on the court. So if you can get anything positive out of summer league, I feel like it's a boom. Man, that would be fun. It Who would is be. the all-time Hornets summer league team? Like where it's just summer league team. Does Billy Hernan Gomez is the center, though. Who is it? Billy Hernan Gomez is the center. <laughs> yeah, um, he, oh, my God. That is absolutely correct. He is absolutely. Like, we were hyped off of him hitting threes. Like any three Hernan Gomez would hit. We were like, oh, man. Not a, you, were, you especially felt. You know, no, I felt, I felt hard for that one. Yeah. Like you got to think. Joe Cheeley's got to have a spot on there. So, again, six, seventh, six, seventh man. I mean, Malik what about Monk? Kobe Simmons? Does he have a spot in the All Summer League team? Kobe, no, 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 no. Kobe, Kobe Simmons didn't do enough. Didn't do enough as a as a Hornet. Like Chile's on there. Um, there's some other guys that are there. Maybe Corey Higgins makes it. Yeah, there's got to be somebody from the Bobcats. I wanted to say Sean May, but I think that nah. was maybe just Corey Higgins. <laughs> I think we saw. 
I think that's wishful thinking from you, a North Carolina fan, David. And speaking of North Carolina, I did want to talk to you a little bit about, we, we did see Coach K put out a Black Lives Matter video, and then we did get to see a really cool one as well from North Carolina, where Roy Williams addresses everyone at first, and then they go to a whole bunch of different players uh, in, in North Carolina's basketball history. We, we got an appearance from Lenny Rosenbluth. I mean, how about that? I I thought that was amazing. Uh, we got to see Ty Lawson. We got to see everybody, including Michael Jordan at the end, to kind of put an exclamation point at the end of it. What did you make of that UNC Black Lives Matter video they put on Twitter? Well, I mean, yeah, MJ was obviously the hammer on that, right? I mean, there's been so much uh, made, especially around the last dance, that he didn't do enough or say enough. And not that like that is um, is stepping up to the plate full bore, but obviously he's given a lot of money between he and Jordan Brand, and then he's in this video where – uh, you know, they actually come out and say Black Lives Matter. And like for the program, like Roy Williams, obviously, I think you have to do stuff like that, uh, make that message known. I mean, just from a Carolina perspective, it was interesting. And I guess if you're a Tar Heel fan, quote, good to see Ty Lawson in there because there was a little bit of rumblings over the past oh, yeah, couple months, about you know, about a little bit of rift in the uh, in the family there. So I think all Carolina fans are happy to see Ty back in the fold and contributing to this. Uh, you know, I just wondered, you know, I, I always look for Sheed. Is she going to make an appearance? He wasn't in that one. Uh, but uh, I always want Sheed to be thrown in whenever he can. But obviously, I thought, I mean, the message was uh, on point. It was great for the program and for them to do something. And, you know, they took the time to produce that in a way that it looked good, especially with the people they could get in touch with, with Roy. And then MJ, I guess he did it in his, uh, you know, humidor or whatever in Miami, wherever he was. But I, I think, Not the last know, dance the house, though. We that. have to make that like clear. No. It wasn't the spot that he filmed the last dancing. <laughs> no, that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was. Uh, I felt like they moved around to several of his locations or his friends' locations. But like you said, Duke has done that. Uh, Syracuse came out with their own thing with with Carmelo uh, being the last guy to mention on their video. So obviously, I think that is uh, is good to see if you're a fan of those programs of college basketball and you know Black Lives Matter. We'll have David Walker continuing on here with us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But first, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will be like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. We see if David would wear a hazmat suit if he had to go to Orlando next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, could put him on the radar of a radar, excuse (laughs) me, of all NBA, yeah, on the radar, on the radar of (laughs) all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer, yeah. Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from from, uh, Catawba County. Put him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
There have been a couple of really cool things to come from NBA players as we've seen them make the transition to Orlando, uh, including how about Joel Embiid's hazmat suit? I, I think <laughs> Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus actually put it pretty well when he said, man, how do they even make that thing for seven footers? Like that guy looked hilarious and appropriately, appropriately dressed. If you are to take this thing seriously, I guarantee you, you're not taking it as seriously as Joel Embiid is with the hazmat suit and the mask. Uh, David, how did you think Joel Embiid looked as you being kind of the fashion connoisseur of this podcast? <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's certainly not Doug. We all know that. Um, no, yes, not. yes, it's I think, not. I think as soon as this all was announced, and maybe even before Joel Embiid started scouring his resources, the internet for, like you said, a seven foot three hazmat suit that could fit. <laughs> um, like, was he? Be, was that? Uh, that was. Syria? I mean, it's a good question, David. Like, I I think he's taking this seriously, though, because Kendrick Perkins was out here bashing him on. I mean, undeservedly so. Kendrick Perkins out here being a clown for that. Well, right. This is true. But I do think it's serious. Like Joel Embiid is somebody that likes to be a troll and likes to joke. But I do think that we've actually heard him be pretty serious on this. And I didn't see him smiling when he put that hazmat suit on like he put it on and was ready to go. I'm going to lock my answer in for being serious. That's what I'm going to say. No, no, he's absolutely serious on this. I don't blame him either because, quite honestly, if I'm going down there just to make my paychecks and just to make sure that the CBA is still intact after all of this, <laughs> I am probably going to wear a hazmat suit through the whole experience. And I'm, you know what? I might have multiples. I might have them in Sixers colors. I don't know. At this point, I don't blame him. He was dead serious, and he's the right person. He, again, he's responsible. <laughs> That's true. And hey, I hope he got some made up for uh, the WNBA players. I think they're over at IMG. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those videos coming out, but Ooh, boy, that, that is a place you need double up on those hazmat suits. I mean, that they've got some issues over there with the, with the lodging uh, situation there. Well, it, it makes the Rajon Rondo complain about it being a Motel 6 uh, ring pretty hollow when you have to pay attention to what the WNBA is actually going through. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it was there had a, they had a rat trap I think in the corner of one of the videos that yeah <laughs> I mean, if 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 rats are climbing on the walls if that's where you found the most necessary place to put a mouse trap then you know you are not in a very good place to go play basketball no you're in Florida there's nothing again as we found out there's nothing good about Florida and if there's any Florida Hornets listeners I'm sorry I just recommend one thing for you move yeah that move was the most, that was the most simple I think insult you could have put right there here we are trying to describe everything and you said guys they're in Florida like that what, what a shot to the state of Florida uh, one thing I was gonna ask you this David like as as I dubbed you the fashion connoisseur, maybe more appropriately so, you certainly are the sneaker connoisseur of the podcast. And I was going to ask, like, what kind of shoes would go well with a hazmat? David, I actually do have a shoe question for you because the last dance, it, I caught the Jordan fever as well as much as anybody. I've been out here. I may have smoked a few more cigars in the last month than I previously <laughs> had my entire life. That may have been something that's happened. Uh, I also did get the Barcelona shorts. I couldn't find the shirt, the crazy zigzag shorts, but I did buy the shorts 
and and I'm gonna just tell you they look freaking fantastic. But I wanted to get the uh, the the Jordan Three cements, David. Like those are my favorite Jordans, the Jordan Retro cements. If you know what I'm talking about, I think those are my favorite Jordans of all time. Am I picking a good one to start what could be a potential Jordan collection? Uh, as long as my money allows me to do so. Addiction, not collection. That's true. Right, right. Oh, none better. That's my personal favorite shoe of all time as well because it holds a lot of uh, stylistic value. I mean, it was groundbreaking at the time, but it also saved the Jordan brand. It's, it may have saved Nike. I mean, MJ was looking to leave Nike after the Air Jordan 2, uh, did not have a good experience in that shoe. I don't think he broke his foot in that shoe, but it was in that same time, and he did not enjoy how that shoe turned out. He showed up like three or four hours late to a meeting with Nike executives, with his parents in the room. He stayed on the golf course like an extra four or five hours, <laughs> showed up to that meeting, not in a good mood. And when Tinker Hatfield, who has designed so many iconic shoes, including the Air Max One and, and a bunch of Air Jordans and a lot of Nike's most uh, popular silhouettes, he showed him the three. He showed him the jumpsuits that would go with the three. He showed him this whole new idea around how they would put the Air Jordan line front and center you know, it sealed Michael Jordan. And also it's just a classic shoe that they've continued to dole out and dole out and do a lot of iterations of. So if you're going to start, there's none better to start with than the three, in my opinion. I love that shoe. So if you're looking for them, every, well, as you said, everything Jordan now has gone through the roof. I mean, oh I didn't even God. see yeah. that coming. It's insane. It's insane. Like anything with Jordan that releases is automatically going above resale uh, when they when they drop. So it's it's been crazy. But you know, you wait it out. They're not going to stop making them. That's for sure. They're, they're not stupid over there. So there'll, there'll be more to be had. Well, maybe I'm stupid, David, because I can't look, I've got a big foot. It's a size 15 and I can't find them anywhere, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, I've been looking for a long time. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, it is like, I really have looked at quite a different uh, bit of, of spots and I cannot find those particular shoes. So I'm going to have to continue to look for them. I'm going to have to drop the money like those. I'm with you, man. They're, they're my favorite from all the ones I've seen. I know people are uh, a fan of the Concords and this is a, an absolute novice talking about this right now, but I know people are a huge fan of the Concords. That's my favorite though. I'm going to have to go on a mission and try to find a size 15 somewhere. Man, right. size 15. They are rumored to come back out. Like the white cements, are, I, I think they're rumored to come out like next year or sometime around there. All right. Uh, All right. But 15, man. Yeah. yeah. I, that's that's the problem. That's our problem. <laughs> it's a tough life out here. <laughs> now, so, so David, for the uninitiated, describe to them the frustration of dealing with the sneakers app. Please describe to the uninitiated what the problem is with the sneakers app. I mean, there's no frustration anymore. It's, just, it's, it's an automatic no. I mean, you, know, you, you log on and you try and get your place in line. It's gotten worse, not a, much, much worse for me. I was on a good run. And yeah, for those of you that don't know, the sneakers app is like Nike's um, you know, buying app where you go on there and you just go to buy your shoes. It sounds simple. It sounds like a simple idea, right? But all of these hype releases, now you're, you go in to say purchase and they put you in, quote unquote, a line. And, they, and it's, you, know, you get the message, hang tight. You know, keep your fingers crossed. You're doing great. And then you may or may not, you, you may or may not get the, oh man, didn't work out this time. They actually say that when you don't get the shoes. Like, <laughs> they, it's so patronizing. They're like, dude, you know dude, what, buddy? It, we'll see you next week. How about that? Exactly. And they know you'll be back. It's literally, there's the best way I can describe the sneakers experience oh. is being like Wiley e. Coyote and you're chasing the roadrunner. <laughs> You're going to lose. You're just hoping not to get the 
you're just literally hoping not to have just the fall off the cliff. That's all you're doing. You're going to lose. It's just exactly. how badly are you going to lose? Because because while you were talking, I just went through the list of the sneakers <laughs> app for the last two shoes that people actually wanted that I got. The first mm. one was the infrareds. And that was what, yes. two years ago? Yes. The infrareds yeah, they, were the, there's that. And then those, there's the, um, Supre- I got a pair of Supreme Air Maxes. Like the Air Max Tailwind oh, 4s. Wow. Yeah. I got those. Those are the last wow. two times the I've last actually two? won something on, on that. Uh, David, real quickly before we transition to the next segment, what, what is the latest shoes that you've copped so far? I know you're always a guy that's looking to collect. What's the latest pair you got? Ooh, great question. I actually just bought a pair last night. <laughs> were, of course you did. Uh, but they were, uh, they were, they were on sale. So there was the, um, it was the Nike ghost racer. This is like a retro running shoe from a, from the nineties. And they got a bunch of different colorways in them. Uh, but the, there's a vault colorway that was really cool. And I've been actually looking for these forever. That's the other part about this, this is when you got to transition into just finding deals because they will sit, some shoes will sit. Um, that, those are the last ones I literally picked up. Uh, my wife, no, she's not. Yeah, yeah. Those are, I <laughs> <laughs> Look over. She's right behind you, David. Exactly. You heard all of it. I'll tell you this. The uh, Did you say Ghost Runner? Is that what you said? Ghost Racer. Ghost Racer. I was going to say, yeah. Ghost Racer, yeah. Ghost Runner. Either way, it's a fantastic sounding shoe that I feel like most people should be looking at just to see if it's the right shoe for them. Ghost Racer is an excellent name for a shoe. We'll transition to the final segment here with David Walker. want to talk a little bit about Mitch Kupchak and how much we trust him heading into the NBA draft. Uh, still not going to be for a long time. going to be October until we actually see the NBA oh. draft. But just discussing exactly how much we trust Mitch Kupchak coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there. And then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just, it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You know, Nada, we talked about this with Doug yesterday, or at least the last time we talked with him um, about the overall talent on this roster. And Mitch Kupchak has said a couple of times that Malik Monk is one of the more talented guys on the roster, despite him actually not having lived up to the expectations that we had for him. So pretty clearly, this is a team that even if we feel good about Devontae, even if we feel good about PJ Washington, we still don't know if those guys are going to be stars. I mean, clearly you need to hit on some of these guys to the point where they've got certainly all-star potential and even more so like you're looking for that Donovan Mitchell you're looking for that SGA that kind of slipped through your fingers in that Miles Bridges draft and the the question that I have is we don't have that guy right but we do have a lot of other things to feel good about what Mitch Kupchak has done not only with your first round picks but your second round picks and even some of these undrafted guys like David I'll ask you how confident are you in Mitch Kupchak throughout the draft process? Has he earned the benefit of the doubt in your eyes for you to trust him? I'm confident that he's not going to, you know, make a huge miss, like a huge swing and a miss, at least not yet. That doesn't feel like uh, his, it, it, it's, it feels like his mission has been to hit singles and doubles right now. And then maybe mm-hmm. peak on one of those guys, but you brought up the SGA thing. I mean, that's really the only quote, you know, miss, um, that we've seen thus far. And then I'm confident that he's going to be able to grab some guys in the second round and even out of the draft that are going to be able to contribute. And that's no small task 
especially for a team that has to look to add talent wherever they can. Uh, so I'm confident that he's not going to uh, give us a huge swing and a miss at this point. Well, and I think we can even go back to the Lakers draft history. And it was funny because we see the recent Lakers draft history in the first round. And I think that's something that would even have been held against him for a while, even when maybe at first we were talking about the possibility of Mitch Bickett of here. But look at you know, Brandon Ingram is someone that he looks pretty good right now. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's somebody that certainly has continued to improve. You look at D'Angelo Russell, who was shipped from the LA locker room to Brooklyn. And now it's a guy that's making a ton of money, having you know been an all-star with the Nets organization. You know, Julius Randle is what he is. I, he's, pro- he's a ball stopper. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like him, but I, I think at that time, I don't think anybody was knocking him for it. And remember Jaleel Okafor was supposed to be this guy that, First was going to be the first overall pick. Carl Anthony Towns ended up being that guy. And then I think a lot of people thought the Lakers might go after a Jaleel Okafor, but it's D'Angelo Russell instead. Brandon Ingram, you, you kind of expected. Anyway, it just, I just think that what we've seen from Mitch, I, I think you see him making a, a really good decision. And I, I like the way you put it, David. It, it's the singles and doubles right now, maybe a little bit more so with Brandon Ingram, Ingram and D'Angelo Russell, but also those were the second overall picks that he had. Uh, I, I just think we can go back even before what he's done with the Hornets so far and we can say, you know what, I, I do feel good that Mitch is not going to completely screw this thing up. Where is the home run? Where is the big boy swing? And when is he going to hit on that? And I think that's when we see this team take a different level. Yeah, I mean, not a, he's going to have to take that swing yeah. at some point, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, and it may, it, it may have to line up with the Hornets finally getting lucky in the draft lottery moving into a space where they have a chance to uh, select one of those guys who can be a, a game changer. But at some point he's going to have to take a swing in the lottery because let's face it, that's where this team is really going to be able to take a step forward by getting someone in the lottery. That's a young talent that can change the outlook of a team. It's not easy. Uh, it's doable. It's done every year, uh, but he's going to have to be in that position. I think first before he's going to, you know, to do it where they're, where they've been doing eight, nine, 10, 11 in that uh, range is tougher. I think it's easier for him to, you know, settling on somebody that's going to be solid. Uh, but what, if he ever finds himself, especially this year, like top four, uh, he's going to have to take a swing on somebody just based on the position they're in. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I know that at least personally for me, I th- I'm okay with the plan right now. I'm more confident in Mitch than probably most because simply because of the second round picks. Most of the second rounders that we've seen before before Mitch really were what? Either trade filler or they were basically MJ's gambling money in Vegas during summer league. <laughs> like unfortunately, just when we start talking about the just the second rounders and everything else like that in the draft, I'm okay with him not taking the swing for a home run guy this year, even if they're in the top four, because pretty much I think we all know that the talent level isn't there this year for that kind of draft. The one thing I would say is if this team regresses to the mean like it was supposed to because this team was better than it probably should have been. If this team regresses to the mean, he's going to have a lot better chance to take a better swing for the fences with guys like Cal Cunningham and others that are going to be uh, and Cal Cunningham, Jalen Green. 
that class, that's a better class to probably take a swing with than it is with this class. Well, what's funny about this is I remember the last two drafts, I have not been happy with the first round pick. Miles Bridges, I wasn't happy with. PJ Washington, I wasn't happy with. You know, Miles, I, I still feel pretty much the same about Miles. I think he is what he is. I think I was very wrong on PJ. I'm glad we have that guy on our team. And and I, I was wrong about him. I would rather have gone with somebody else. And these other guys, like a Kevin Porter Jr., it, Brandon Clark, I did love those guys. And they've been good as well. But I was just wrong in the evaluation part of PJ. I'm, I'm very glad to have him on the team. And I remember after they selected PJ, I remember saying and feeling at some point, Mitch Kupchak, he's going to have to take the swing of a guy that does have a lot of upside. And I did not feel that either of these past first round draft picks had that. And even with me feeling good about PJ, we've talked about it a lot. I still don't know if he has that kind of all-star superstar potential. You know, maybe he can be the Paul Millsap kind of guy, but still not the superstar kind of guy. I said at some point he's going to have to do it. And yet looking at this draft, it's like, okay, maybe I should back off of that too, because I'm cool with him taking another safe pick in this one, because it just seems like, it seems like this is not the draft to do it. And maybe next year, even, even if you keep pushing it, I feel dirty just continuing to procrastinate on that, but maybe this isn't the draft to do it. And maybe next year is the time we see him swing for the fences. Yeah, and I think he knows you can't miss. Like, they can't come out of a draft with a dud. They can't come out of a draft with a guy who can't even contribute, even if it's boring, even if it's not flashy. I mean, uh, you know, for all of Miles and PJs, you know, um, for for as low as their ceiling might be turning out to be like a superstar, there's still going to be guys that can contribute. They're still going to be at least role players. And you can't come out of these drafts or the Hornets with nothing in the first round. I mean, that will set you back. That has set them back in the past, right? That's why they found themselves in some of the situations they have. So yeah. he does know that they got to have somebody that can come in and contribute. And when it's worth taking the risk, you know, that's when we'll see kind of, you know, how far he's willing to go. And that goes across the board, right, guys? I mean, we haven't seen, you know, the big in-season trades. We haven't seen the roster shake up the trade of or otherwise to this point yet. At some point, going to have to take some sort of swing. Now, he's been waiting for all these contracts to roll off, thank God. Uh, but it's, you know, he's going to have a few more asks, I think, this year maybe with those contracts coming up. Uh, so we'll see what he decides to do. Up to now, I think it's been super wise to be um, – you know, really careful of what he does. Yeah, he's basically got his hands at 10 and two on the wheel right now. And it's going to be interesting to see when he starts to press pedal to the metal and instead of just having it safe and keeping in your lane without crashing the car, because I think that's what he's doing right now. And at some point you're going to have to put some speed on it. And I don't think that's what's going on currently, but it, it, it's a, it's a plan that I'm cool with, right? Can you make that next step? I think we're still in the infant stages of this rebuilding process right now. Yes. At what point, when you start to transition, like when do we really feel good about some of the moves that Mitch has made? Because so far, they've just been pretty steady, pretty solid. And that's good. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that right now. But at some point, we are going to have to take that transition to the next step. So, David, before we go, I have just one more question. So what what's the one draft guy? What's the one guy that they draft that... If you do it, you're throwing the remote at the TV. <laughs> Who's the one guy? Because I'm trying to think. It might be Wiseman for me. It really might be Wiseman. Be that's Wiseman. the first guy. That's the first guy I was thinking of because we just haven't seen any of it, right? We don't know. Um, seems to have all the physical tools. 
seems to be on the upside of everything you look for with these guys coming out, but there's just no way to tell. It feels like his chance to bottom out or to be someone that can't contribute is higher than the other guys at that level. So I think that's probably the guy, right? I would have thought you'd have said Cole Anthony, though. <laughs> Truth be told, I thought you would have said Cole. Ooh, that's, that makes you nervous for, for a lot of so many reasons. I just think Cole has a chance to be a solid pro, you know, but again, I was so now throwing the TV, throwing the remote of the TV. That's what I did during his whole year at Carolina. So that'd be nothing new. You did that. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so, so, so that would be tough. I think Cole would be a mismatch for, you know, some other reasons, but at this point they are, uh, they're not skipping over anybody because of the guys that they already have on the, on the, on the, uh, on the roster, but Cole would be an interesting one for sure. All right. Thanks again to David Walker for joining us once again. Uh, he'll be uh, around quite a bit. He'll be here around frequently as long as we can get him, uh, get him on some Fridays. David, thanks again, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you, guys, fellas. Good to talk with you. Have Absolutely. a good one. Absolutely. You too. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to Bilt Bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov. I think we're going to get into some player evaluation starting next week. So the next three weeks or so, about 15 players, even more so with some of the guys at the Hornets play that came from the G League, maybe a little bit more so than most rosters to talk about we that may are actually even, relevant. We may even evaluate the G League roster, Greensboro itself. We should. All right, stay tuned. It's going to be some riveting podcasting. We talk about Kobe Sibbins next week. Have a great day. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday.